Welcome to the Epic Bucket, a podcast exploring the realms of cybersecurity and our daily human interactions with digital innovations. I'm Alex Galegos, and I'm a systems administrator. Ashley Kesky, a security analyst. And I'm Paul Ruffalo, an independent cybersecurity consultant. Nice. And so welcome to episode zero, I guess, kind of our pilot episode to introduce the idea of the podcast and why you should <laughs> come back in a couple of weeks and listen to more, I suppose. Yes, I think uh, one of our biggest goals is to educate folks um, in kind of a an easy to understand uh, way about cybersecurity. Yeah. And, you know, I think we kind of had this idea uh, it's been knocking around for, what, about six months now that we wanted to do this? Does that sound right to everybody? At least a year. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm thinking a year. Yeah, We, we yeah. talked about it, and then we tried it, and then we stopped, and here we are again. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I wasn't going to tell everybody about uh, our failures, but okay, sure. Uh, okay, <laughs> radical transparency. Uh, that's now baked into the show from uh, minute two. Um, Good deal. Yeah, we uh, we wanted to make a podcast. Um, well, we started from this idea of we're all obviously in a technical role. And uh, quick show of hands, which would be really effective over audio. Um, how many people here have ever just been fed up with technology to the point that they're like, eh, just F it. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We just all a few have times. our hands up, just so yeah. those, those that can't see. Right, which is, which is everybody, um, for the record. There is no video version of this podcast. Um, so we had the idea that there must be other people that feel the same way. And it's like, well, why is that? I think a big part of that is because there's not really anybody that – there's not really anybody that's talking to a technical audience about issues that really affect them in their day-to-day lives in a format that is digestible for a wide audience. It's either podcasts by technology folks for technology folks, which uh, uh, basically means boring, right? Or alternatively, it's uh, it's information about like consumer electronics uh <laughs> and how to get the uh the best out of your android device and you know there's absolutely merit to that information but we we saw a gap uh out in the podcast space and we thought oh well, we'll do our best to try and fill it yeah and i would add that um a couple things one piggybacking on that with the collateral and material and content that's out there, I guess more so content than anything. A lot of it is very specific and because it is specific, you go rather deep. And I think that's all fine, well, and good. And there's, there's content that, that needs to be out there like that because people do use a number of different channels to learn from today. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, YouTube was uh, a blip in the radar and people might just go to it for entertainment. And now you see it as a, a genuine vehicle for on-hands learning and, and all those kinds of things. 
Um, mm. And that's not yeah. what we're here to do, really. We're not going to go deep into any topic unless maybe we find something that the audience really likes or maybe we start digging into it and appreciate it and want to talk about it more. Um, and I was actually just talking with my family today um, as we were waiting for new phones to be set up. And um, I was talking about this podcast and they had kind of said, well, it's, it's about security. Well, why would you do that? That sounds boring and nerdy and too technical. And I said, well, that's not the point. The point is to deliver this in a way that anyone can learn something um, or maybe find interest in a topic that we have and walk away with maybe some best practices or something that they otherwise wouldn't use or be aware of. Yeah. What was the exact quote? It's not going to be fun. Wasn't that? Yes, it was. It's not going to be fun. I was like, Mm -hmm. well, thanks for the support. (laughs) Yeah. And so that is now the challenge. And we want to make sure that uh, it's exactly the opposite of that. So fun from what I would say, high school all the way to death. (laughs) Yeah. That's our audience. So, like, for example, maybe don't talk about death so much. Um, like, that will help. I would agree. Yeah. See, uh, we're figuring it out uh, right along with you. <laughs> so, I just want to go around really quickly and have each member uh, introduce themselves a little bit. Um, actually, I'm going to pick on you first. Um I know you said you're a uh, cybersecurity analyst, but kind of walk us through uh, what your career path up until this point looks like. Absolutely. Uh, Started out actually in network engineering, Uh, did that for about 12 years and transitioned into um, cybersecurity uh, earlier, I guess, last year now. Uh, started out as a SOC analyst for a cybersecurity company and learning a lot every day about what goes on, um, all the things that hit, you know, the ed- edges and endpoints, and it's fascinating. It's it keeps me on my toes. Yeah, absolutely, I'm sure. And Paul, how about you? Yeah, so I've had a number of different roles um, throughout my career, ranging from software development to quality engineering to uh, general technology leadership, and then um, ended up in, in security on kind of by accident. Uh, we had been dealing with PCI compliance as something um, that we were responsible for going all the way back to 2007. And um, I was one of the contributing members of the team that kind of brought that to fruition um, where I was. And although that group, um, we really kind of fought it hand, tooth, and nail, just saying, this is a joke, it's unnecessary, it's overhead, it's garbage, it sucks, a few four-letter words here and there. Um, you know, fast forward to 2024 now, and um, wholeheartedly think that that is something that every company um, that handles cards needs to be adhering to in some way, shape, or form. Um, in many cases, they don't, they just ignore it, um, and I just think, from an end user's perspective, that's the bare minimum bar. I mean, there's a cliche that's out there that says compliance is not security, which again, I wholeheartedly agree with, but it is a good starting point if you have nothing. Um, so I really ended up owning that um, for the better part of half a decade and then used that as a launch pad into my CISO role, um, you know, which looking back on it, I think that that title was very overblown. Um, 
really played more of a security officer role, but not a chief. Um, we just we didn't have the best practices in place uh, across the board. Um, our staff wasn't big, and we were using a lot of third parties and whatnot. And as I look at some of the roles that are out there for true chiefs, I mean, they've got 15, 20, 30 years of experience and a lot more users, a lot more endpoints, a lot more scope. So um, even then, you know, really fond of working with with technical folks, um, people that are on the front line. Um, I think one of the reasons that I did want to do this is, you know, we, we came together as a group at the tail end of 22 and a 23, and we all talked about wanting to con- continue to work together and grow. So that's why we're here. I would also uh, kind of say, just, you know, to put a, f- a bit of a feather in your cap, hopefully, you know, whenever I hear about uh, chief level employee uh, one of the things I think of is they don't get told no anywhere near as often as I feel like uh, uh, people told you no. <laughs> um, and Or just, eh, I know you said that we've uh, got to do this or we can't conduct business anymore, but we, you don't seem to understand, Paul. We, we really don't want to, like, <laughs> like a lot. And so uh, it's just not going to happen. And that always uh was kind of sad um <laughs> paul says that he uh fell into uh cyber by accident uh i feel like i fell into everything by accident uh by just never really having a good idea uh what i wanted to do and i'm uh uh 37 years old now and i just still don't uh and that's probably the way it'll stay for uh the foreseeable future um but i have done uh, a lot of roles in uh technology from everything from help desk to systems administration uh server engineering uh asset management backup support uh all the way into uh kind of jumping into cybersecurity as my primary role and then uh uh, moving back into uh, systems administration as my primary bread and butter for day in and day out. And I've been doing that sort of thing for the last uh, 14 years and uh, uh, probably will continue to do so. As it seems like every time something new uh, comes out, I uh, get into it for a while and then uh, figure out there's something else to be interested in and excited about. But at some point, I think that's just having a career in IT, right? That's not anything uh, that is abnormal. Somebody agree with me quickly. (laughs) No, I would say, you know, one of the things um, in my previous career that I was told was, you know, well, you only worked at one place for 20 years. And I think, more often than not, as I'm transitioning, I've heard that as more of a negative than a positive. Mm. Um, and to be honest, depending upon context, I could go either way. However, if I'm going to be more positive and thinking about more specifically about what I have done and did is, yes, I was at one place for 20 years, but I probably had half a dozen to a dozen different jobs. Mm. Yeah. There are others that work someplace for 20, 30, even 40 years that have done the same thing day in and day out and haven't extended and grown. Again, yeah. under different contexts, that could be positive or negative. It just kind of depends on what you're trying to sell at the time. Um, sure. In my opinion, though, regardless of you know positive or negative context, 
if you're at some place for multiple decades, that shows loyalty. And I feel like mm-hmm. that should be hi- highlighted. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I ran into a similar situation uh, when I was interviewing uh, early last year. People were looking at my resume and seeing that I worked at one company for six years and then was acquired and worked there for two years. And so I was technically on my resume, it looked like I was somewhere for eight years and they kind of cringed a little bit. But mm. but yeah. I like seeing projects all the way through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the. I always kind of felt the same way. Like, there's. There's been this loss of a sense of loyalty uh, to companies, especially as. Let's uh, put it down to what it is, as companies have lost the sense of loyalty to their employees uh, as time goes by. Um and it's become a lot more advantageous for uh, the average employee, especially in the technology sector, to hop around from one job to the next to the next in order to manage uh, or maximize their earning potential. But that being said, if you find a company that treats you well and makes it worthwhile to be there, then I don't think... I don't think you should be looking for the exit just because it's like, well, I, I've just been here too long. I have to leave just because it's time to leave. Um, I believe in doing things for good reasons, and just because it's been an amount of time is not a good reason. It's not data-driven. Yeah, when you're reviewing resumes, you, you see either someone who's been there for a year and they're job hopping or mm-hmm. four years which is what they really say like four to five years at a company and then you need to move on mm-hmm. um, yeah you just see those trends mind if i transition yeah go for it so obviously we're very good at getting off on tangents so listeners should understand that that's going to happen yeah um, you know we might get to a topic and then find four others inside that topic and then we'll ramble on and then one of us is anointed the let's bring us back to the <laughs> the task at hand um, i mean i would so. describe that as the value proposition <laughs> exactly <laughs> i am not saying it's negative i'm just <laughs> making that known that this is sort of on purpose um so the other thing i would say just about wanting to put another voice out there and in, in the um content world is you know, i think people don't realize how wide information security is and for that mm. matter, how deep any given topic can be. Yeah. Um, so I certainly wanted to be part of the community to say, you know, you don't have to, first of all, what Hollywood shows you isn't near what happens on a day-to-day basis. Um, I'm in. <laughs> obviously, Hollywood wants to make it interesting, make it very hacker-esque. Um, but I think those of us that are professionals in the space understand that there's probably a fair amount of our time where it could be considered boring if you didn't like what you were doing. Um, mm. And there's lots of people management. There's lots of uh, documentation, lots of training, lots of learning. Um, and it, it certainly is evolving pretty much every single day, um, at least from what I've seen. So look for us to share some of those news stories and some of our own observations from our unique perspective in the space, as well as some of our thoughts on what's going on in the industry as a whole. 
One of the things I've dug into recently is the entrepreneurial operating system. And it's not really brand new. It's not really trailblazing. But what is interesting about it is it kind of codifies how you go about being an entrepreneur and being successful in a startup world. But when the, what, what the coaching says is any successful small business, and so a small business would be anywhere from two to 50 employees, give or take, mm-hmm. and very small revenue numbers. You're talking, you know, probably south of 100 million bucks. Um, they have two people, the visionary and the integrator. And the visionary is, you know, the big brain, like, hey, I have all these ideas. I can build relationships and, you know, be very good at that, but I can't make it work. Like I, I have this idea, I know it's going to work, but I don't know how to do it. Mm. And integrators are the ones that come in and do it. Like they say, well, you want to go build this plane. Well, let these are the parts you need, all this stuff. Let's build all the mm. plan. And they're very logical. They're very um, people, people like good at managing people, not necessarily good at building broad relationships and partnerships. Sure. Um, and so I've done a lot of self-searching and I know I'm an integrator. Um, but what's really interesting is one of the books I read on it, uh, there's two comments about not needing industry experience to be successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The baseline of what you've learned at at the company is valuable. Like you, you, it's the core, right? right? Like it's, you can take that anywhere. Well, and especially because, you know, when we're talking about being in a technical role, like (sighs) installing uh, certificates is the same everywhere. Making sure two-factor authentication is put in place is the same everywhere. Uh, there may be different requirements depending on what the industry is, but it's always the technical steps for achieving what you want to achieve are not going to vastly differ from one place to the next to the next. Right. Uh, so this is from Rocket Fuel in a section near the latter part of the book. An important factor that surprises many visionaries is that a good integrator does not need to know your industry. Michael's integrator, John, knew nothing about the legal industry. Most of the time, a great inter- integrator can learn the industry. Remember that James Cousins of Ford Motor Company knew nothing about, an, about how an automobile worked. Being a great integrator depends more on the ability to manage human energy than being an industry expert. I like that. I really like that. You you may not be quite enough of a visionary to have already set out on your own, yet enough of one to see how a successful company could work. You have that entrepreneurial curiosity that causes your colleagues to see you differently within a large organization. They aren't sure exactly what to do with you. Truth is, you probably scare them a bit because they don't understand how your mind works. You seek more freedom. They are wired to be cogs in a machine. You are wired to take a vision and go make it happen. That is a very special gift. And in addition to all of that, we have quite a few contacts in the local cybersecurity space. And I think it'd be really interesting to hear from some of them from time to time on some of the uh projects and topics that they're passionate about and really interested in so i'm hoping that there'll be a space for other voices at uh, some point in the future and last but not least just for people to share some of their experiences that they've had 
So that's pretty much it. That's the idea for the podcast. All right. How are we all feeling? We feeling excited? Yes. Yeah. Great. Fart and rainbows. All right. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, I'm uh, really looking forward uh, to this opportunity to kind of do stuff together again. Because, you know, as we previously mentioned, we all met together uh, working under the same roof at the same company. Well, technically, actually, the first time we properly met face to face instead of it just being uh over a team's call um do you all remember this uh <laughs> standing in the uh baggage claim at mccarran international airport oh yes yeah. i didn't realize yeah. that my luggage had come down and so we were just waiting i think it went around like 12 times <laughs> oh yeah that's right i forgot about that wasn't it well wasn't it like we were standing at one of the baggage claims and it was over at the other one i think so yep <laughs> Yeah, that sounds right. And don't forget, Alex, I interviewed you in the airport on the way there. Yeah, uh, at MSP, right? Yep. Minneapolis-St. Paul. Over a coffee. And then Uh um, I think it was the morning of day two, Ashley, I interviewed you in the bar that was not yet open, uh, wherever we stayed. So, (laughs) Where did we stay? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Luxor. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's right. This was pre-hack, ladies and gentlemen. So we... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes our our data was as safe as we thought it could be at the time but uh yeah exactly yeah this was uh, uh black hat uh, 21 so uh no 22. black hat 22 oh yeah. yeah that's right yeah they probably didn't do a black hat 21 in person did they um no of course not um no, I, I tried to do math because it was like, oh, it's a new year. Remember, you got to subtract an extra year. And then I subtracted too many. Um, so I swore I wouldn't do that uh, once we switch <laughs> over to 24. And uh, I did it anyway. So it's only January 24. It's not by the time you listen to it, but it is by the time we're recording it. Um, <laughs> radical transparency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I finished up that, uh, that first interview and uh, I realized two things. One, I realized how little I knew about uh, cybersecurity. And uh, and then immediately after that, I thought, oh, I'm not going to get this job. Um, that's, a, that's a real shame. Uh, <laughs> At least I get to go to Black Hat. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I, I just felt like I absolutely bombed that, uh, that interview. It's like... Uh, it's, it's, Tell me what the uh, what the seven layers of the OSI model are. It's like, oh shoot, I can never remember. Um, yeah, always fun stuff. <laughs> never eat sausage pizza. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always I always feel like I can uh, explain to people. It's like, all right, well, I can't remember what it is without looking it up. That's why uh, there's documentation. Uh, to refer back to, but I can at least explain to you what the idea behind the model is, which is to describe all the layers of communication between uh, a couple of machines in a network and how they communicate with each other. And that, you know, first you have to have physical connectivity and then there has to be traffic allowed between the two devices. And then the software has to be able to communicate um, uh, from the one side to the other. Uh, and it's a way to describe all of those different layers that have to be in place in order for communication to take place. And I don't know, I guess apparently that was a good enough answer, but... Uh, <laughs> 
And it's never throw sausage pizza away. I don't know what I was saying earlier. <laughs> but you had a great one, Paul. I don't remember which one you had remembered. I don't either, which is What your terrible. mnemonic was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd have to go find it. I don't, I, I don't remember. That's terrible. Well, okay, that means it's probably a really bad mnemonic. Um, but just the fact that uh, that you have uh, a lot more networking experience than I do, and you don't remember it either, uh, actually, it makes me feel like a thousand percent better. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I remember it being really funny, but I, yeah, in college I was taught the never throw sausage pizza away. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, that's also a good stance that I can immediately get behind. Right. Works for me. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much everything that we uh, want to hit. Otherwise, we can uh, ramble around uh, for an hour. Uh, but really, the idea is uh, that this is the podcast. We'll go over some uh, topics that are interesting to us and will hopefully be interesting to you. And uh, hopefully, uh, you'll join us in the future. No, no you, have to, you have to say goodbye out loud. They can't see you. Bye. Just bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we'll work on that. We'll work on We're going to work on the outro. <laughs> the Effort Bucket is hosted by Ashley Kesky, Paul Ruffalo, and me, Alex Kalegos. Our theme song is Limit 70 by Kevin McLeod. And if you want to engage with us, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter. Uh, sorry, we're on X at the Effit Bucket. That's E-F-F-I-T. Our subreddit is r slash the Effit Bucket. And you can email us directly at theeffitbucket at gmail.com. Our first full episode releases on February 29th, and we hope you'll be there with us. But until then, these three enthusiastic amateurs with a microphone and a dream are signing off. president since Truman never did pot. That was it. <laughs> I remember thinking it was hilarious. <laughs> I my I literally had a brain fart because I was thinking OSI. Oh, no, that's not the model. That's the name. Shit. <laughs> I'm sitting here Googling it. <laughs> yeah.